It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Recording started. Hey, I want to welcome everybody to this week's Matrixic Discussion Group Call for Tactical Sovereignty. Uh, like I always say, this wonderful Sunday, the first day of the week, not the seventh, not the Sabbath. Although once in a while the Sabbath might fall on it, depending on what calendar you use. Anyway, we're just having a chit-chat here, uh, waiting for a guest to arrive. And we're talking about you know, the collective conscience and how much power that we actually have together when we put our minds together. Uh, we're discussing La Palma, uh, discussing the powers that, you know, some people are afraid of, whether it be CERN or HARP, um, directed energy, that kind of thing. And I stated that um, from my viewpoint on it is that Man individually isn't as powerful as a lot of people think he is as far as uh, different devices or things that may be manufactured or attempted to use in order to influence things. Uh, We do know that if we go back to wars in the past, that there were different things done, like seeding the clouds and stuff like that. So I'm not saying that man has no power i'm just saying man doesn't have the power that we're led to believe especially when it comes to um i don't want to use a trigger word uh, but worldwide weather control or change i guess this is one way of saying it and i think the earth is way more powerful than we are however together collectively we can do things regarding that um, Sid, did you want to discuss that a little bit further? Sure, sure, yes. So, um, um, as we stated, you know, we, we know that um, it, one of the things that I think that's a loss, um, we talked about it, um, the, man, the man-made uh, devices and uh, all of those things that they put out there, um, the one thing I could say is I do believe um, I do believe in uh, you know they, they're seeding uh, to cause what the weather. Um, I do believe that they have these particular mechanisms, but they're only as powerful as um, as they uh, have been, or they have a limit to their power. Um, I think we're I think ourselves and our connection to the earth, the earth being the most powerful. Um, we talk about the sun. We talk about the moon. It's a, it's a lot of, to me, I feel like it's just a lost art that was there to be able to uh, control and manifest uh, things that we have the ability to do. Um, and I think the, the biggest problem that we have um, is fear. Um, if you inject fear, you forget where you are. Um, so if, we, if we're fearful, we forget that we have the power. We give our power up. 
sort of sort of like signing the contract. It's the same thing. Um, when you forget who you are and you subject yourself to fear, you lose your power. You know, well, so. I, I would say that fear is a form of surrender, wouldn't you? Yes, absolutely. You gotta surrender to your fears, and if you go in and, and study, for instance, the different tactics that are used to like take over countries or things like that, it, a lot of people think of like war. Uh, for instance, what's going on um, currently in the past twenty years in the Middle East? You know, going in. With planes and bombing and soldiers and doing that kind of thing. People don't realize that that isn't the first step. That That is a last-ditch effort. Um, there, there's two or three other plans that are implemented ahead of time. And if those don't work, then the next things that come along are assassinations and wars. And But those those first two or three forms that they use are the ones that are used even more than the physical wars we see and fear is one of the tools in that toolbox that they use because what that does is it destabilizes a people and if people are destabilized by fear then they're much more easy to um, manipulate does that, does that make sense absolutely absolutely and it tells us in the scriptures that um if a man has fear in his heart, there's no room for love. Absolutely. So we have to really realize that um, if we're not loving our brother, then we're living in fear, one or the other. Well, I, I well, learned the acronym. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Brian. Go ahead. I learned the acronym for fear is a <clears throat> false existence appearing real. So, yep. you know, if you if you believe if you believe in it in your heart, like you said, if you believe it in your heart, then it goes back to the manifesting. Fear is, fear is a big thing. A lot of things that we see on the news, a lot of things that we see on TV, it was projected to us over and over and over and over again. Um, the, the one question that nobody asks is, is it real? What's real? What's real? <laughs> it, you know, uh, we have, we've heard a thousand different things. At least I've have, I'm speaking for myself. I've heard a thousand different things. I look at a thousand different videos. I see a thousand different things. And I'm saying to myself all the time, as I look, you know, initially I was enamored by him. I was sucked in. And then I, eventually I still took a step back and said, what's real? What is absolutely real? And only reality is what I make it. You know, when I, along with those tactics that I mentioned, you know, you're, Discussing reality reminded me of, of one of the other things they have in their toolbox. And this was really exhibited the most uh, during the Reagan administration. And people are seeing this more and more even today. They are really becoming uh, very obvious with the things they're doing, you know, for people that pay attention. But in the uh, 80s, during the Reagan administration, one of the tools they used was uh, people's perception and perception reality. And if they could form people's perception to think they were seeing certain things, then that would become their reality. And uh, that, that's even being used a whole lot today. And so many people, you know, you're talking about fear and love. So many people think that the opposite of love is hatred. 
which is not correct. The opposite of love is fear. And so, you know, like, like you said very well right there, Keith, if a man, you know, has fear in his heart, there's, there's no room for love. And if we don't love one another, then uh, we're not fulfilling the greatest commandment, are we? That's absolutely true. But, but you know, um, the, the, the one thing I can say is in learning about the, uh, the Kabbalion, they're one and the same on opposites, opposite, opposite ends of the same pole. So even if you do have hate, you can actually mute that out if you know how to do that. So it's not too late for anyone to change their thoughts. Like everything that we're going through right now, it's not too late. It, it takes people to have an understanding and know that everything outside of them is not real. And you start within. What's, you have to ask those questions. What's real to you? What's real to you? And you have to look in that mirror every day and say, what's real to me? You know, and, and once you start doing that more and more, you free yourself from a lot of the, the, the mental chains that uh, have been given to you, that you put on yourself, not given to you, but you put on yourself through you accepting what's been given to you from, from external sources. And that's Absolutely. That brings you closer to the source, the real source itself, once you start releasing everything outside of yourself. And, you know, taking advantage and using these things that have kind of been uh, a lost art is pretty much what you're saying. <clears throat> now, this has been, for people that know me, this has been part of me and, and what I do. Um, I know my parents used to tell me when I was young, they're like, oh, you always got to walk the line, don't you? You know, um, you've got you've to walk right up next to the line. You got to see how far you can push things. And I've been that way with everything, not just with, um, say, the law or uh, the crazy remedy schmucks that are out there that are talking the same garbage that people have been talking about since the 70s that do nothing and go nowhere. But I've been pushing that as well in the aspect of considering that, you know, Yeshua said the things that I have done, you will do and you will do greater. And I stop and think, well, what things are people doing that's at least as great, you know, if not greater? And I don't see anything. You know what I mean? And so that I've tried to start looking at things, you know, talking about perspective, changing my perspective as to what's really happening. And like you said, what is really real? Um, it, uh, we we're talking uh, prior to the recording, you know, about the collective. And I, I really think, you know, whatever, you know, weapons man may make to try influence different things, uh, I believe that the collective, I believe our consciousness can overpower any of those things or at least greatly thwart them. And I was talking about um, R. Wayne Steiger. Um, people can find R. Wayne Steiger on YouTube. Um, he was working a lot in, in tech and things like that uh, prior to retirement. And he, he now has a 
a show that he does uh, every day on YouTube. And here about a year ago, he was talking to the group of us, and he was talking about where he's at in Colorado, and that it, they had been, you know, in a drought. And he said, you know, we should have the power to be able to control that. And he said, how about if we all just collectively start, you know, putting our intent into it raining in Colorado? And I believe you want everybody to do it like at a certain time every day for like a week and see what happened. And from my memory, this was about a year ago, uh, from my memory, about 20 minutes or so after he got done with that episode, he was in his living room and he heard the lightning crack outside and it started to rain and it did. It rained for a few days. And I mean, it's just interesting when you see the collective come together and we put our intent into something. And right now we see a collective of fear being used and it's, it's causing a lot of people's lives to drastically change. And when you look at the collective, here's a, a good way to really observe it today, as far as boots on the ground experience. You look at small towns and how small towns right now are dealing with this um, boogeyman, I'll call it, all right? And small towns are pretty calm. Things are pretty laid back. It's not really that big a deal. But when you get into the bigger cities, the bigger the population is, the more influence that you see, the more you see them ratcheting down on things. And this is part of the collective is because there's more people there and more people together in one place dwelling on this whole fear issue and, and propagating the problem and causing it to be able to gain a little bit of headway. I don't know if anybody else has noticed that, but I think it's been very evident. And so I, I've tried to push things on all different levels. Is for, If we're talking about weather, um, using different products and, and like learning how to make Organite and things like that. You know, some of the tech that came from Wilhelm Reich, um, he was even using it. And they, people make what's called like cloud busters, okay? And those can be used for or against um, a cloud type of situation. I'll just leave it at that. And it also, you're talking about the collective, you're talking about spiritual aspects and spirituality. And even our personal spirituality, if we really learn how to tap into it, you can tap into um, the source, if you want to call it that or the operating program, if you want to put it that way. I think uh, one thing I, I find really interesting if people want to check out would be um, the Diehold Foundation. And the information that is coming out from the Diehold Foundation I find very intriguing. And it's just not a few people on a lower level that find it interesting, but <laughs> There's also uh, government agencies that are going and recording this information that's being brought out there, too. They're very interested in it because, you know, as far as the weather goes, weather goes in cycles. But we know during the year, weather goes in cycles. 
you know, your winter time, your spring, your summer, your fall. Well, over long spans of time, it goes in cycles too. And you're going to go from periods of drought to periods of abundance. If you go and take, you can take a map, for instance, of the timeline in Asia over the past few thousand years and map out when different dynasties rose and different dynasties fell. And then you can place also a map over that, an overlay of these periods of drought and these periods of abundance. And you'll notice that they correlate with these dynasties. When people were going through times of drought, uh, they thought the gods are mad at them and the gods must be mad at their leaders. So they would, they would oust one of the dynasties, another the dynasty would step in. And of course, then, you know, the earth was falling into its regular cycle and things would get good again. And then that, so that dynasty, those families would be in rulership in, until the next period of drought came along. And it's interesting how you can see people's reaction as far as the leaders for the, their country just based on weather alone. Uh, you know, something basic like that. So, but now today we're being told that uh, this is occurring uh, due to the fault of man, and that we can we caused it, and that we can change it. Um, I believe, yeah, we probably can change it, but it's not going to be uh, by deciding whether you're drinking out of the tap or if you're drinking out of plastic bottles. That's not what's going to make the change. What will make a change will be the collective. The collective can come together and focus on a time of abundance again. And that has been proven to work, and it could work again. But people just have to step out of the fear situation. Um, Keith, I'll let you pick it up. I'm going to check the board and see if our potential guest arrived. You, you no, actually not here yet. You actually brought up a good point um, about dynasties, and and I think it's a tie between dynasties and also constellations. So we talk about the age of Aquarius, right? I think what we're going through right now is a correlation of that. I believe that we're going into a new age, uh, but the struggle comes into play of who's going to control this age that's coming in, this age of information, this age of you know, uh, like you like you've said on numerous occasions, the veil has been lifted. And so there's a lot of things that's out there that used to be hidden that's no longer hidden. Like one of the things that I learned um, from you and uh, started looking at is PMAs. Uh, PMAs has been around since the dawn of time and nobody knew what it was. Now it's starting to be a big thing. So I've, I've heard it once I heard it from you, I think I've heard at least five or six people after that mentioned private membership associations. I'm like, uh, I haven't heard it in 53 years of my life. And all of a sudden now I'm starting to hear people talk about it everywhere. So it appears that that shift is happening and, it's, and somebody's trying to grab a hold of this, this new age that's coming in and in the, in the energy that's coming along, coming in along with that. But that, with that being said, back to your point, uh, still, with if people know how to control the energies and take in um, as a collective, 
they can usher in that age as well to whatever it is that collectively we want to have happen and not have the, the whoever the powers that be that want to try to grab a hold of this energy for themselves. We can actually uh, uh, thwart that off if we wanted to. So, you know, a lot of people are going to hear things like this and they're automatically, you know, if they're say like Christians or Bible thumpers or whatever, they're going to be thinking, oh, this is anti godly, this is anti Christ stuff, you know, control of things. You know, people need to, I think, open their horizons a little bit because evidently, so far, the past, I don't know, 230 years, America's been in existence. Uh, whatever horizons they've been on, I uh, haven't been heading in the right direction. But there are ministers out there that discuss these things. Uh, I'd recommend the late um, Chuck Misler. Check him out. I would recommend Derek Prince. These are excellent, excellent ministers. And they will very often sound like Maybe that small, small time, small home minister that you had growing up, but uh, they also get into topics that the churches don't teach today, and we need to realize that what happened from the onset is that different. I, I want to say children of God, put it that way. Um, different angels were put over certain regions of the world and it's kind of gone to a lot of their heads and in fact um if you go i believe in psalm 82 uh, the creator is standing there in the midst of these rulers in the in the midst of these gods it says these other gods telling them that they're going to die like men because of their arrogance basically and so in their desire has been to control mankind, control the minds of men. And what do they use? They use other men to do it with. If these other men are really human, who knows? But why are they trying so hard? Why do they need to try so hard? They have to try so hard because collectively we can control them. They're actually supposed to bow to us. And once people wrap their mind around that, that's, I believe, when real change is going to be seen uh, for the positive. Until then, uh, men are just going to easily be continually led along by a leash. Is that you in the background there, Haya? Yes. <laughs> so it sounds like you guys are talking about spiritual warfare and the manifestation of things that we can see with our eyes, you know, read, you know, speaking about chemtrails and talking about, um, well, I think, I think the whole issue is for us to look at ourselves. Like I think Keith, is that who that was? I know it's not Hotep Pero. It's not, it's a different Keith, right? But he no. was talking about um, analyzing the heart looking at your heart i really do think it does have a lot to do with if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face that's to the creator uh, i will hear your prayers and i will heal your land 
Because all morning long, all day long, I have been videotaping the physical manifestations of mankind following orders and spraying our skies. And it makes me so upset because there's not a whole lot I can do about it. I've already tried to contact the Department of Defense. You know, I've tried these weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. It's belief systems. And they are happening. They are doing it because it's under their UN and their uh, orders to do geoengineering because the sun is going to burn the earth. You know, that's the godless people saying that. And it's their stronghold, their way of thinking. And ours is different, but I do think it's possible that we could accomplish more if we did get together and pray and, you know, seek the creator's face and say, how can we bring down these strongholds, these ways of thinking in these people? Because I just had a customer that I was texting and showing him the chemtrails. And he's like, oh, no, those are contrails. I go, no, that's what the sheeple are told. And the sheeple believe that. Here, go look at geoengineeringwatch.org. Although that guy is a glober and, you know, he's got the globe on there. I know that landmass is dirt and landmass. And part of that UN and the ideology of heliocentricity and the globe spinning out of control because there is no creator and it's chasing the sun BS. You know, it's a bunch of BS is what it is. And that you look at Genesis one uh, verse nine, and it talks about the difference between earth being land and the water being water and sky being sky. And this is an issue of strongholds and ideologies. It really truly is because if you believe this, then you're going to go to that and then you're going to go step up here and then you're going to try to do something about it. And then you got the Bill Gates guy trying to fund everything to stop the sun from burning because there's no God, you know, it's just craziness. It's craziness. So I do think that we do need to realize what is in our head. How did it get in there? What TV did we watch and how did we get indoctrinated? And once we start realizing that, you know, we're not in control, but there is one who is in control and he is allowing the wheat and the tares to grow together. You know, he is allowing that. Um, I think that's to get our faith strengthened and for us to come together and um, seek his face. But we do have to analyze ourselves. We really do. Like, how well, did that get in my head that we landed on the moon? What's, like what's the, what's you know? the first? <laughs> it just goes from one life. What's the first instruction on that list, on that uh, verse that he's mentioned there? If my people who will who are called by my name will humble themselves. There you go. Yeah, you have to realize I don't know everything. I don't know that, everything. That's step one. We have to humble we have to humble ourselves. I do. I just don't yeah. know it yet. What does that look like? <laughs> <laughs> what? what humbling yourself looks like yeah. is you not feeling like or presenting this attitude of I'm the one in charge I'm the one in power and you have to realize that 
the creator, you know, the operating system source, whatever you want to call it, that, that's the one that is really the one that's supposed to be in power. Yeah. You just have to yield. You have to yield yourself. Yeah, I uh, I humble myself mm -hmm. by doing things like going to the Salvation Army for lunch. Um, I, I'm a guy that literally I gave everything up. I have no job. I have no bank accounts. I have nothing. And I do everything in my life by barter and trade. So my barter and trade often. You're one of the smart ones. Yeah, I, I end up often bartering my trades by, by charity work. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's all non-taxable. Yeah, and so that, that that's step one, really, is in humbling ourselves. And part of humbling yourself is being of service, you know, to your fellow man instead of trying to be serviced by your fellow man. I think too too many of us are have this attitude of what can you do for me or what can I get out of it? Well, that shouldn't be the attitude. The attitude should be what can I contribute? How can I help? But Brian, let me ask you this question because mm -hmm. I, I'm that way. Um, how do you protect yourself from? Uh, because I've I've I give a lot, um, and I've given a lot. And um, sometimes when you give a lot, it's taken for granted, if you want to say that. And and you have people who come for more and more and more. You know what I mean? So I've done a lot for a lot of people, family members, um, and. At, at some point you have to cut them off, but my, you know, and I completely understand. I try to give to it. Sometimes I, 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 I spread myself so thin that, um, it, it, it wears on me mentally. Right. So how do you, how do you protect yourself from that? There's, there's two things that need to be thought about uh, regarding that. Uh, the first thing I would say is we have to, Make sure we put a limitation on how much we'll give because takers never put a limitation on how much they're going to take and they will bleed you dry. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's one aspect. The second aspect, and I, I don't really talk about this much. I do with family, but <clears throat> when it comes to our, our personal relationships, um, we have to decide what tax rate we're going to be on, what tax percentage we are willing to sacrifice. Because many of the relationships around us, in fact, most all relationships are all going to come with a tax. There's going to be a cost involved. And along with costs also comes profits involved. And so it can be looked at in, in two different ways. But oh, you know, how much, you know, what tax rate we're going to be on. This also goes into the how much are you going to give. You've got to put a limitation on how much you're going to give. Uh, it, but there's also a flip side to taxes. And that would be looked at as far as, like, boundaries go. Because we would say that there's certain people we won't talk to. Well, you know what? You don't have to hang out with them. But don't put yourself a limitation on whether or not you will be open to receive what other people have to say or be able to talk to other people because you're going to be paying a tax there. And the tax that you're going to be paying 
is the tax of positive information, positive knowledge, positive intelligence that you could possibly be getting from them. But if you set this boundary for whatever arbitrary reason that you don't talk to certain types of people or things like that, or I'll put it in a simple form um, that a lot of people can identify with. Uh, people will say, oh, don't talk to police officers. Never talk to a police officer. It doesn't matter if they're off duty or on duty. You don't talk to police officers. And, okay, fine. If that is a stance you want to take, okay. But you're going to be paying a tax for that. And one of the taxes that you're going to be paying on that is a wealth of information that you possibly are giving up by not developing a relationship with say a police officer or any other type of um, law enforcement officer, whether it's for the county or the state. That's uh, that would be a good example, maybe to May look I, at for that. Go ahead. I I agree with you wholly. You kind of took me off guard there when you said a tax, but I agree with you because the tax is, like you said, um, a possible education somewhere. See, that's the prior primary element for me when I do anything for anybody is. I'm not going to give it freely in that sense. It's the, the product or the service or the good or whatever. I'm going to exchange that freely. That's that's free. I'm not going to charge you for it. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to put some information along with it to educate you. It's like if somebody needs a bag of potatoes. Okay, there's a relationship that's already developing if they want to come ask me for a bag of potatoes. Now, that relationship starts out with them asking for a bag of potatoes i have to return quid quo pro what for i can't just give them any kind of potatoes i can i can i can say yeah i can give you potatoes and give them back potatoes and that's done but for me the primary element is an education so i ask them in return what kind of potatoes or what for you know something like that so i have a more definitive reasoning or intent and then it comes down to an issue of, uh, we'll say they they ran short on grocery money and they're really needing some food and, you know, they got a couple kids. I'm not only going to give them the potatoes for the now time, but I'm going to help, help them with an education on how to cook them and make them last or how to plant them and, and grow them so they have more later on. And that's the tax you were talking about. That's the tax I'm going to pay in giving something away. But that that's biblical, again, because we're supposed to go forth with our talents, go forth with five talents, come back with 10, go forth with four, three talents, come back with six. If we take our only talent or our talents of, of any amount and bury them and only come come to our father with the same that which he gave us, we did not prosper as he instructed us. That's the foundation of prospering is spreading what we know by knowledge. The very faint, uh, very verse that goes in correlation with this is Hosea 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So if we're going to build each other up, we use knowledge to do so. If we find someone in need and they come ask us for help, our best help is the knowledge of what they need. So we can give them what they need, the product or service, like I said, with the knowledge of how it's used. So, yeah, great point. Great point. Absolutely. And, you know, anybody that knows me personally would know that I'm not one of these people that I'm just constantly running my mouth. We, we know these type of people 
we encounter in life that it's like, oh my God, could you shut up for a minute? But there's so many people, especially like say within, let's say the truth movement, for instance. Okay. I don't like putting labels on things, but people will comprehend what I'm referring to when I say the truth movement. But there's some people within this that they might have five or 10 uh, mantras. They may have five or 10 issues that all that's all they talk about over and over and over again. Now, they've not gone in and explored deeply any of those on, on a single level as far as how you take care of those problems or those things that you see as an issue. But myself, I, I try, even when, when I am talking to somebody, regardless of what information may be available regarding the topic, you don't want to, and at least this is my attitude as far as guarding what I pay in taxes and relationships, is you don't want to give someone more information than they absolutely need. Um, I think people's mouth is what gets them in the most trouble. Um, your, your, your mouth is your worst witness. You yourself are your own worst witness in many situations. So you have to be careful with that. And um, since, you know, we brought up the situation like with police, for instance, uh, this would be a good segue to get into what we're going to talk about this evening. Um, because guess we were going to have on, I guess we'll have to reschedule her, but, um, she sent me, I'm going to see if I can show this to you guys, an affidavit written by a police officer. And let me just kick on a different light here. Let me take a look and see how this is turning out. Okay. This should be okay. And. Uh, this is an affidavit written by a police officer in regards to a stop he had. Um, this has been sanitized, so I don't think there's any pertinent information on here. I'll just give you a quick look at it. If anybody, let's see if it shows up. When will it show up? doesn't look like it wants to but i could probably show like screenshots to people of it that's really weird that it won't show up for us okay well, maybe if i hold it down yeah. might be a little bit better yeah you're still not gonna be able to read it anyway um th this was a affidavit written by an officer and he had uh, performed a traffic stop and he wrote an affidavit regarding that stop uh, to the court. And I believe part of this was a reply to things that she had submitted or he, whichever the case had been. And he's talking about the relationship that uh, people have. And I would recommend if people want to read it, you can find it in your own states, but a place that you can definitely go and, and pull it up at is if you put in CVC, it's Charlie Victor Charlie 17459. That's CVC 17459. And 
that's what he is getting into in um, in this affidavit. And I'll read you part of a paragraph of it where he's discussing this. He said, the state also created a roadway system for those that use vehicles to ensure the safety of all people using the roadway of the state. Um, it created a driver's license program requiring all users on the roadway to have minimum, minimum certifications in order to use a vehicle on the roadway that the state created. When a person, and this is where he's getting into it, when a person applies for a license, he is granted the privilege to operate a vehicle in the state. They become the registered agent. They're saying when they apply for the license, they become the registered agent and are responsible for the actions of their operations of their vehicle and the legal registered agent or representative, and he included principal, which I don't agree with, are receiving and accepting summons and legal process related to their operations of their vehicle on the public roadway. Now, <clears throat> if you go into um, what I had listed from the state of California, um, which was 17459 in the California Vehicle Code, they explain it there as well, is that when you apply for the driver's license, you are becoming the registered agent. Uh, what it does the registered agent do? What's the registered agent for? The registered agent is for service of process, notice, and demand. So, for instance, a summons, okay? If you're getting a summons for court in the mail, you are receiving a service of process. And at, at the same time, uh, becoming that registered agent, we have to realize what it is, is, you know, the, a, a company can't necessarily deal with a man, but who does deal with the men, other agents in that company? So who are they dealing with? They're obviously dealing with other agents as well. One of the things that I've said to people is that, you know, when you're standing in court, um, even maybe prior to comprehending how the whole system really works, but you're standing there, there's the prosecutor, there is the clerk there, or stenographer, there's the judge. Well, they are all serving in a capacity of being a representative or being an agent for something. The judge is the agent for the state in the court, so is the clerk. The uh, prosecutor is serving as an agent for, in the capacity of prosecutor, for the state and for the court. If you have defense counsel, that defense attorney is serving as an agent representing your legal person. So why in the world, if everybody else in that room is serving in a representative capacity, what makes you think that you're the odd man out, that you are not serving in a representative capacity as well?
And what you, makes you think if that's the logic and reason that you have to hire another agent? Exactly. If you're the representative agent already stated, then why aren't they recognizing that? See, it's all inconsistencies. Well, no, no. To me, it's very consistent, and I'll tell you why. They well, would rather have one of their agents that works for them representing the legal entity that they created correct. than have you represent it. Because they want everything to go their way. Correct. And that's part of the problem because the basis of that legal representative um, agent on a driver's license is the the motor vehicle drivers, uh, motor vehicle operators lease agreement. Um, you're supposed to write a, a statement of intent yourself and sign it in wet ink that you intend to use that automobile for the performance of functions of public office, at least 50% of its use. If you haven't done that, then it's not valid. Also notice that if you're performing the functions of public office, then you must first have an oath of office to do so. This is a requirement for all driver's licenses. If you don't have an oath of office, you're not, you don't qualify for a driver's license. Are you? And, and that was part of the purpose. Um, if people listen to uh, episode 252 here several weeks ago, I laid out the one, two, three steps of what I did. And that was really a, a big part of the essence being the reason why the road I took was uh, resigning as agent. I wasn't going to represent their entity. Um, now, as well as that affidavit, I've, I've collected all these things and put them into one book. I have what is also called the driver's license compact. And one of the things I try to explain to people, they need to realize, and this is what we need to teach our offspring, is that whenever your signature is required for something, the only reason, and I'll say this again, the only reason why a signature would be required is because there is a contract running in place in the background. All right. So whenever somebody demands a signature of you, I would demand full disclosure. I want to see the contract running behind this. I want to see the duties and obligations that are being agreed to. And in the driver's license compact, the, it starts right out really talking about duties and obligations. and But the number one duty and obligation, that now because the driver's license compact, you, you become a party to it when you sign for the driver's license. But you also have to realize that anybody that is enforcing policy on the roadway, they are also by conduct and because they hold a driver's license, probably, um, they are also a party to this compact. And the number one duty and responsibility in this compact is to promote safety. To promote safety. So if someone is, say, for instance, coming after you, for something that has absolutely nothing to do with the promotion of safety, that's operating outside of the contract. Um, because number one, you weren't doing anything that harmed safety and they're trying to enforce something that has nothing to do with safety. So that that's stepping outside of the bounds of that contract. Now, 
there's five states that are not necessarily a party uh, to the driver's license compact, but the states all do reciprocate um, each other regarding people driving from one state to another on a driver's license. So just through reciprocation alone, uh, they're kind of making themselves a party to it. And at the same time, the third thing I, I think that would be good for people to read um, is a book by um, uh, some say George uh, Mercier. <laughs> and I think it's French. I think it's probably pronounced Mercier. It's M-E-R-C-I-E-R. And he wrote a book called Invisible Contracts. And that's one of the things that had been brought to my attention from somebody retired, I'll just say retired from judicial office, put it that way, is that we have been involved and signed on to hundreds, maybe even thousands of invisible contracts without realizing it through our life. And a lot of people won't want to, you know, scream and claim, you know, full disclosure. We weren't given full disclosure. People, though, unfortunately, it's, it's not taught in schools, do not realize how law works and how things like full disclosure works. There's only a small handful of things where full disclosure is, is required before somebody signs. And one of them, uh, an obvious one, would be when you agree to a mortgage and you sit down at the closing table, you're going to have um, a little over 70 pages of documents to sign. And that is the full disclosure for the mortgage. Most generally, full disclosure is not required to be given ahead of time. It's only required if you ask for it. If you ask for full disclosure and it's not provided to you, and you can show evidence of that, that will void a contract. Otherwise, when you sign, and it even states this in uh, the Internal Revenue Code, that just by the mere use of money or even signing a check, you are essentially becoming a banker, and you are claiming to know the laws when it comes to money. Uh, and that's one of the aspects that a lot of people don't realize when it comes to contracts and these invisible contracts is that we are contracting many times a day without even realizing it because performance shows intent and performance also shows contract. For instance, I, I've mentioned this, I believe, before you hold the door open for somebody. This is part of a contract. You're making an offer. They walk through the door. They've accepted your offer. It's, it's just little simple contracts like that we're doing all the time. And, but so many times, just through use or performance alone, contracts are being instated. Um, people listen to judges. When judges will question people who want to argue jurisdiction, what do judges go to? They go to performance. They go to the people's actions. Oh, do you have a bank account? That's normally the last question they ask, and then they steamroll the people after that because they do have one. Um, just by their performance, by their use of a benefit provided by the state or allowed by the state, then 
they've contracted with them and jurisdiction's been set up uh, by claiming a residence just by living somewhere that performance alone and, and claiming it as a residence that performance alone also shows an agreement to the contract and establishes jurisdiction uh, I think I got a message from our potential guest. Uh, let me jump over and catch that really quick. If you want to continue. It looks like she's on. She's just muted. Can we use the collective consciousness to get full disclosure on all contracts? Define collective conscience. Put everybody's mind on one thing and let it be that. Like a prayer. Okay, our guest Definitely. is our guest is here with us somewhere on the board. I can find her. Everybody is unmuted. Jules, if you want to chime in. Oh, gosh, I, just, I, I just now figured out how to unmute. I don't know why. I've been trying to unmute. I'm so sorry. I think I'm an hour late, am I? Yeah, that's all right. Uh, I'm sorry. Yes. I've had, you guys, I, I, I apologize. I have I've had company for two days and then we just kind of, uh, just kind of just relax. And I, I apologize. Um, uh, I, I'm sorry. Where are we? Where have you covered the affidavit yet by any chance? Yeah, I just touched on the affidavit and I touched on invisible contracts and I was talking about different contracts and how they work. I also touched on the uh, driver's license compact yeah. as well. I don't know if you've had a chance to take a look at that or not, but I, um, I'm just going to turn things over to you here. Oh, gosh. And I, I know you don't like to go much over an hour, right? Yeah, that's okay. Uh, we, we can do we can do an extra half hour or whatever here. That's fine. I'm known to go 28 hours. <laughs> well, I am so disappointed in myself because I was so excited about being a part of this conversation because these uh, things that you guys have been discussing is uh, it's it's very exciting, very exciting stuff, and it's good news. Um, and I, I, I feel very encouraged by it. Um, so, Brian, did you did you pictures where they can see the affidavit 
Uh, I tried to show it, but it really didn't show up very well. Uh, but I can I could uh, show those um, in the group, like underneath the link for this. Uh, okay, so it's not like uh, a Zoom call. Uh, you can on TalkShoe. There is screen sharing, but from a telephone, you don't have that ability. And that's what I'm on. What? Okay, Brian, tell me what would be best because I also, I also didn't catch it. It was I, I thought you guys were two hours behind me. They're actually three. Uh, tell me what you guys prefer. You guys prefer that I that I give y'all my insight and try to do it very quickly and not have time for questions like i can just try to cram stuff in it or would y'all like to do a continuation to next week it's a it, it's up to you ryan um, I, would I, just, I, I would say just try and fill us in on what you can here now you're on you're on the computer right uh, well, I'm sitting here in front of my computer. Yeah, oh. I I can, I can. Uh, is this something I can log into on yeah. my computer here and actually show you guys? Yes. Oh. All right. So, what do I go to talk to? Um, yeah. Uh, do you have I access? I, have to and <laughs> I quit using it a long time ago. And now I just I don't know how. Can you access the link I gave you from the computer? Let me see. Let me go to my messages. Okay, guys, I apologize. Just give me a second here. Um, you don't phone, do you? Let's, let me copy that and send it to my computer. Okay, is anybody going to be able to, or do they have to be at the computer as well? In order to see stuff, yeah, they'll have to be on the computer or accessing it like over a smartphone. If they just call in, they won't be able to see anything, but. Okay, there we go. Okay, and how about for the people who, who want it recorded? Will they be able to see this? Yes. Okay. Okay, I'm trying to log in on my computer. And this is even better because my phone's dying and I can hook my headset up to my computer. There you go. <laughs> Okay, well, that's um, okay. 
right here, test key for the name. Okay, I'm going to connect on my phone and connect on my computer. Okay. All right. All right, are you with us, Jules? Okay. Uh, yes, you have access. Shoot. Now. All right. Okay, you with us, Jules? Yeah, okay. Hello? Yeah. You're in and out. In and out. It hurts me. <laughs> yeah, all the little technical fun. Mm -hmm. I, I've got her unmuted and she's starred and she's pinned, which gives her full access. It's just a matter of her connection right now. Well, if I could just maybe interject for a quick second since while she's setting up, um, you had said something about the judge asking if, if one had a bank account. Well, if one has a trust bank account, uh, I would say, no, I don't have a bank account because it belongs to the trust. <laughs> That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. You don't, well, I, and exactly. Um, I have something that I use, 
my, my DBA has an account, mm-hmm. but, I, but I am not my DBA. Mm-hmm. Hmm. There you go. And there's a uh, clip from Judge Judy that I really wish I could find because it is so perfect. Um, I've mentioned it before. But for the sake of this recording, it, it was a girl who was suing her ex-boyfriend because he was not helping pay off the vehicle. They had broke up, you know, and she felt like he wasn't doing his duty to help out. And so she was suing him. And Judge Judy asked him, she said, well, where do you work? He said, well, you know, I do all this, a little that, whatever it takes, you know, to make ends meet. And she said, okay. She said, well, where do you live? Where is your residence? He said, well, you know, sometimes I stay with my auntie. Uh, Sometimes I stay with friends over in the other county. Um, You know, I've got a lot of friends, a lot of relatives everywhere. Judge Judy's like, okay. She's like, um... I, I think she asked him about a bank account, and he said no. And finally, she turns to the girl, and she says, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to dismiss this case. He is, he's not giving me the information that I need to have. Which meant, mean address and account number. Right. And it's, and it's just like, I remember one time an officer asked me for ID, and I don't carry ID on me. You know what I mean? If my presence isn't proof of my existence. I don't know what is, you know what I mean? But anyway, they said, well, uh, how about your name, date of birth and where you live? And I, I said to him, I says, wow, that's almost like the military name, rank and serial number, huh? (laughs) But that's exactly what it is. It's, it's a military operation guys. And, uh, yeah. And you give them those things and, what those things do is they're establishing jurisdiction. They're establishing territorial jurisdiction, uh, personum jurisdiction, you know, control over the body uh, and control over because of your location where you dwell. So that's what you do. And that's why I said earlier, you are your own worst witness. You know, your mouth is what gets you in trouble. And that's what people don't realize. Well, I think, Jules, uh, I don't know if you can hear me, but this might have to get delayed so that we can work out the kinks or whatever for um, possibly next week. Yeah, can you mention what time your meeting is, if it's Eastern Standard Time, so that the different uh, zones will know what time they can figure out what to where to be? Yeah, like, I it's, think it's I was not, here at 6 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Right. California. Yeah, which is correct for Pacific is 6, because... It's three hours uh, compared to Eastern. And so it starts up at nine o'clock Eastern every Sunday. So if you are in Central, that's going to be another hour behind, which would be eight. And then the Mountain would be seven. And Pacific would be six. And 
I post the time on there every advertisement. So uh, we can see, or I did for a second there, I saw your screen, Jules. But I'm afraid the audio is just not coming through very well. And your screen yeah, blinked off. She doesn't have a good signal on her end. All right. Okay. We will, Jules, we will work on this for a time in the near future. Um, I, I think tonight was a worthy conversation anyway. Covered a lot of things that you don't necessarily hear talked about too much anymore. And um, I guess I'll just close out telling everybody what I tell people every week. Uh, you want to start learning. The place you have to start at is learning who you really are where you're really at and where you're really from because those are the things we get deceived on. Um, also, if people didn't catch it, um, Rice TV X on YouTube put up an interview I did uh, this afternoon. People can go take a look at that. Uh, that's posted to Facebook and to the group as well. And it's also on my YouTube channel. It was downloaded there. So it should be accessible. And if you don't see it pop up, look for a playlist that has tactical sovereignty's um, information on it, and it's within that playlist as well. So that's another option. Yeah, looks, so, like looks like she's got a very weak signal. Can you? Can you? Can Can we hear you? No, not, no, not strong enough. Sorry, girl. No audio. We'll sh we'll shoot for next week or week after. It's no problem. And uh, we'll just get the signal thing ironed out. It's no big deal. I've had my struggles with it too, and had to find ways of connecting to a different tower. And uh, it's been really good since then. So I've been able to start throwing these up on YouTube. Yeah, maybe All right. cheap boost antenna or something. Yeah. yeah. All right, so I said goodnight. Uh, Haya, you want to say goodnight? I know you're there. Keith, you can say uh, here. Nighty nights, too. Yes, as always, I appreciate everybody. <laughs> I hope everybody had a good day, enjoying life, living life, loving life. Um, if it weren't for you guys, I wouldn't be here. So God bless and have a great night. Absolutely. And if people want to see the documents I mentioned this evening or maybe get links for them or something like that, uh, just contact me. I'll try to throw them together on one link. Uh, that way it can be handed out fairly easy to everybody. So until next Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, everybody have a wonderful week. Yes, stuck in the connection. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.